0: Welcome again to Searching the Scriptures radio broadcast. We appreciate you tuning in again this week as we study the Word of God here for about 30 minutes uh, each week as the Lord allows. This is a ministry of Bluegrass Pike Baptist Church. From right here in Danville, Kentucky. It is our privilege to be on the air with you today. And as always, uh, we pull no punches. We encourage you as the listening audience to go get your Bible even now and open it up to the passages that we're going to look at today that you might look at the Word of God for yourself. Uh, on this program, we are interested in what the Bible actually says, not merely what someone thinks it means or thought it said. And the greatest way to clear up Bible confusion is to open a Bible and look at it. Uh, you know, it's amazing how many times I have done it myself where people get to debating over something in the Bible or some truth in the Bible, and yet they're sitting there talking and no one thinks to open the book that they're arguing about. And the truth of the matter is, if we would open, blow the dust off the cover of these things, if you blew the dust off every Bible in this country that's been laying on a shelf or on a coffee table for the last 10 years, you would create uh dust that would uh, rival what they had back in the 1930s out in Oklahoma. And so... We need to get back to be a Bible-reading people. That Bible says, seek ye out the book of the Lord and read. Most Americans have long ago given up ever uh, reading their Bible, and the entire society that we're in culture that we're entrenched in now is teaching our children in these public federalized school systems to reject anything uh, in the Bible that's found there and to ignore uh, the fact that God exists. And if you don't believe that's going on, then you need to get out and start witnessing the gospel to what seems like brain-dead teenagers. I've had them sit there, and after they've texted all day and played video games all day and viewed uh, videos on YouTube for the last week, uh, then you try to preach that crowd alive on Sunday morning, and you'll find out that the devil's got them right where he wants them. They're passive. They're, the boys are effeminate, and uh, they are spaced out. Their brain doesn't seem to function, and uh, they're just kind of in what they used to call la-la land, and then they've got people standing up uh, saying, well, you know, the Bible is, for, is full of fairy tales. It's for ignorant hillbillies. Well, if the Bible is full of fairy tales and for ignorant hillbillies, and brethren, count me in. These are some of the most glorious uh, hillbilly tales I've ever read. The truth of the matter is, every word of God is pure. And I'm reading from a book uh, that was given to me by the God that cannot lie. Let God be true, but every man a liar. Men are liars, but God is not. And if you don't have a Bible to study, my condolences to you. But I still have one, and I thank God for it. And on these broadcasts, we're going to do our best to dig into what it says and make proper application. This week, I'd encourage you to turn to Numbers chapter 11, the 11th chapter of the book of Numbers. Numbers chapter 11. Let's begin reading together here in Numbers. This is the children of Israel under the guidance of Moses. They've left uh, Egypt. They've left the bondage of Pharaoh and the Egyptians, and they are now wandering in the wilderness, and you know the stories. And here in Numbers chapter 11, as we read of the children of Israel, look what the Bible says in verse 1. And when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled. And the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of the place Tabira, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all beside this manna before our eyes. The mander was as coriander seed, and the color thereof as the color of delium. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it in mills, and beat it in a mortar, and baked it in pans, and made cakes of it. The taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent. The anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. Moses also was displeased." And so we have here in Numbers chapter 11, we have an account of the children of Israel. And while this is an Old Testament passage, nevertheless, our apostle, the apostle to the Gentiles, the the apostle Paul, tells us in his epistle there to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that these things were written as an ensample and an example to us. The children of Israel are mirrors, they're pictures of us. As we read about them many times, we ridicule this crowd. But unfortunately, if you'll get honest, when you look into the mirror of the Old Testament and you read the passages about the children of Israel and the sin problems they had in the wilderness, brethren, all it is is a reflection of us. It's our own reflection that we're disgusted by. And here we have a great sin that displeased the Lord in Numbers 11. Now, there's one thing I know about Baptist people. Amen. I'm a Baptist, not ashamed to be one. Baptist born, Baptist bred, and when I die, Baptist dead. But the truth of the matter is, Baptists have got their problems. And I've noticed something about Baptist folks. They are experts at rationalizing their own sins. Sure. Uh, When they uh, see the same sin in someone else, they are absolutely appalled at it. They can call it out. They can discern the problem, where it started, what's wrong with them, and why they're continuing in it. But the same sin in them is overlooked and justified and rationalized. And, of course, their situation is different. They can explain their sin. There's extenuating circumstances. And, listen, we don't like to be uh amen, at odds with ourselves. So we very much like ourselves, love ourselves, and therefore, we can always excuse ourselves and show why that we are, quote, the exception. But my friends, we're not the exception. And I've found that people often can detect uh, on their sin radar the great sins that they think are really bad. And there's certainly... uh these sins that I'm about to list, they're certainly bad. Uh, listen, I preach to a congregation who, at the current time, I know of no one who's committing adultery. I didn't say it couldn't happen. I just said that right now I don't know of anyone. I'm unaware of anybody who went out and got drunk last week. And, boy, we can condemn that one. Boy, that drunkenness and uh, everybody, amen, stay away from the liquor barn and all that stuff. But, you know, what's funny is I find that, uh, while we can condemn divorce and adultery and drunkenness and fornication. I find that most saved people that go to a church, Baptist is what I'm aware of. That's what I am. I notice that they seem to be okay with gossip and unthankfulness. They're okay with laziness and uh, a lack of discipline. They're okay uh, with being stingy and uh, uh, you know all of that, uh, non gracious, unloving. They they are okay with all of that, and yet that's all sin. And here we have in this passage of Numbers eleven. We have a great sin. It's a sin that's great enough that it, the Bible says it displeased the Lord and caused, caused him to turn his flamethrower on. Why, in verse uh, three and, or two and three, uh, we are told that the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed them that were in the othermost parts of the camp. Uh, listen, if you don't see a difference between the Old and New Testament, you can see it right here. Why, if the average Baptist church, if God turned on his flamethrower to burn up the complaining people, we'd have to change the name to most churches to Crispy Critter Baptist Church. Got to get an amen right there. Uh, I'm saying that complaining is a sin too, and we're all guilty of it. Just say, stand up and say, amen, preacher, that's good preaching, that's right. Uh, Listen, I want you to look uh, today with me at the poor example of the nation of Israel. Why do people complain? This sin of complaining has a root cause, and that's why God is so offended by it. It's why it says that he was, quote, greatly displeased. He was displeased about their complaining because he heard it. And can I tell you that God hears your complaining mouth. And you say, why do men and women, why do God's people, saved, born-again Christians, complain? Well, it displeases the Lord, and it's a sin. Why do we do it then? Well, number one, let me tell you, the same reason that the children of Israel complained is the reason we complained. Number one, they had uh, were very forgetful of God's previous care and provisions and deliverance for them. If you'll recall, this same crowd that's complaining here in the wilderness was the same crowd that was in hard bondage, and their cry had gone up to God uh, for many years. And God sent Moses to deliver them out of Egyptian bondage. And you know the story. The last plague, the tenth plague, was the death angel. The way they were delivered by that, it's a picture of salvation today, but the way they were delivered uh, from that death angel was they took a sinless lamb without spot or blemish, and they killed it, and they took his blood, and they put it on the side post of the door and above the lintel of the door. And God told him in Exodus 12, verse 13, on that dreadful night, he said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Well, there was a couple of million of Jew- Jews, that the very next morning were sent out of Egypt willingly. Pharaoh said, get out of here. We're done with you people. Hit the road. And so uh, close to two million Jews left Egypt that morning and were delivered. When they came to the Red Sea, you should know the story there in uh, Exodus chapter 14. Uh, pretty soon Pharaoh came after him again. He changed his mind. He repented of his repentance, and he runs down there. He said, we're going to take these people back. Why have we let these Jews go? And you know what happened. They all get a terrified because there's Pharaoh and his armies being held back by that fiery whirlwind all night. So what does God do? He opens up the Red Sea and allows them to cross the Red Sea there on, as if as if they crossed on dry land. And they crossed it, got to the other side. When Pharaoh and his army came down into that uh, Red Sea, God let the walls of those two uh, parted waters, he lets them come back together and he drowns out Pharaoh and his army. The only remembrance they had of that army was maybe a few wagon wheels that washed up on the other side of the shore of the Red Sea where the children of Israel had come to. And you know what they did in Exodus 15? It's the first time the word song shows up. While they stood up and they began to sing, and they began to sing that wonderful song of redemption and deliverance, and they began to praise God. And you say, What is that? Well, they were rejoicing over God's great provision, His great care, His mighty arm, and His power to save and to deliver from their enemies. Man, that's rejoicing. I mean, think about what they had just seen. But you know what happens next? In chapter 16, they begin to complain because, Amen. They looked around, they said, Okay, where's the Wendy's at? We're hungry. And when there was no, uh, food immediately and water, they began to murmur and complain. And listen, they do that because they forgot how good God had been to them in the past. That's why the Bible tells us to remember, remember the good things that God has done. Listen, we talk, we sing that song, count your blessings, name them one by one. Can I tell you something? You need to remember how good God has been to you, Christian friend. When you're going through a difficult time and you're tempted to complain, the reason you're going to complain and displease the Lord, as they did here in number Numbers 11, is because you have forgotten How good God has been to you and how he has delivered you. And if nothing else, if all we could remember and all that God ever did for us, if this was all he ever did for us, was save us from our sins by the sacrifice of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Friend, we'd have reason to shout the victory the rest of our lives. How often do you stop and, quote, remember the Lord? I'm telling you, we forget. And when we forget, we're prone to do just what the children of Israel did, and that is complain. And the Lord heard it, and that Lord's anger was kindled. I'll tell you a second reason why Christians and God's people complain. It's a failure to be content and to be thankful right now. Not only do we forget God in the past, but we fail to be content today. You know, contentment will uh, take away that complaining spirit Contentment, how little of that there is today. Contentment is, it lives in the same room with thankfulness. Uh, listen, we have to make stuff up to complain about. We are so blessed. That's why, listen, our governor here in the state of Kentucky was ridiculed nationally because he spoke the truth here, uh, a while back when he said that we're soft. Well, no truer words have ever been spoken. Do you know why we're soft? Because we've got it so good and we're so easy. We're used to our comfort and our ease that if any little thing comes along and bumps on us, we're ready to get discontented. And when you're discontent, you know what the first thing is that you'll do? You'll begin to, to, to complain, and complaining is a sin. Now, let me give you an example. I pastor a Baptist church. we got 150, 160 people over here. Amen. You say, uh, man, that's not very many people. Well, we're trying to cut back on that a little bit. I'll just let the Lord build his church. If you want what we've got, you can come and get it, but we're not going to beg you to come. Amen. Uh, In fact, I pray for God to purge our church all the time because the more, listen, a a body needs a purging, otherwise the bacteria builds up and viruses build up and the body gets sick. Amen. I'll let you think on that a while, but I'm talking about a failure to be content, one of the reasons people complain. What is it that you get upset about and discontented over and complain about? Not only do we forget God, we fail to thank God for the present blessings, and we, are fail- we have a failure rate, uh, an unbelievable failure rate to stay content. Let me give you an example. Like I said, we got 150, 160 people over here. And I've told them, if I hear one more of you all complain about the heat or the cold in here, Everybody's you know stomping up every once in a while. They get all frustrated. It's cold in here. We'll move away from the door, amen. It's cold because the door you're you're sitting close to because, amen, Baptists stake out their territory in a congregation, they won't move. And so they sit next to the door and they get cold because that door's opening up and the wind blows in, amen. I get it. But I'm thinking to myself, here we are with our health to come to church. I'm talking about being content. Hey, and if you church members happen to be listening to this program, I love you. You're my friends. You pray for me, and I pray for you. I'm just talking about all of us. I, I could, I'm could. i going to name myself here in just a minute. But I'm just talking about the average Laodicean Baptist today wants everything just right. And you have the health to come to church. You had a good vehicle to drive in. You got out with your coat and your good clothes on. You come in. You sit down in a padded pew in a heated building. And still, if it's not quite to your liking, uh, amen, you're you're quick to be discontent within the first 10, 15 minutes. And you complain. Because you fail to be thankful. I've done the same thing. Hey, listen. The Bible says this in the book of Deuteronomy. You know what it tells us? Deuteronomy chapter 8. Great truth for us. It says this. Beware. Listen. I'm in Deuteronomy 8 verse 11. Beware. It says. I'm sorry. Verse 10. When thou hast eaten and art full. So you got plenty of food and your stomach is full. It says, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware. That ought to get your attention in the Bible when God says, beware. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God. When are we supposed to not forget him? When our stomach is full and we've been blessed by him. Verse 11 says, lest when thou hast eaten and art full and has built goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, you say, well, what's that tone about? Verses 12 and 13 there in Deuteronomy 8 is just talking about the blessings of the Lord. When you're full, when you've got a goodly house that you're dwelling in, when things have multiplied and increased, and friend, in America, that's exactly We're enjoying prosperity. Even the poor people live like kings compared to the poor of other countries. I'm telling the truth. Say amen right there. It says, when this happens, verse 14 says, then. When the blessings come, verse 14, then it says, thine heart be lifted up. Beware of this. And thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. So we forget the blessings of the past and we fail to be thankful for the blessings of today and the conveniences that we enjoy. And I'm telling you, when you fail to be thankful for today, you will complain. I think of this. I talked about church members that complain. Let me talk about myself. I'll pin myself to the wall right here on this one. We had a missionary in here one time presenting his work from Ukraine. And in Ukraine, that's a poor country. They don't have the blessings, the the ease, the comfort that Americans enjoy. And during that missionary, Brother Klein's presentation... He showed a slide where they had paved the road so thin and they had no government standards or codes to go by that they had taken a picture of a van, a 15-passenger van, that had all but disappeared. The only thing you could see of the van was the back bumper and the back tires. The entire front half of the van had disappeared where? In a pothole that opened up as it rolled across this poor paving job. There was a sinkhole under the pavement. The sinkhole gave way and the and the thin layer of pavement and all that they had done opened up, and it swallowed, just about swallowed that van whole. And all he said was, how about these for potholes? Well, it wasn't but about two weeks later, and I had just put a set of Michelin tires, good tires, on my Ford F-150 truck. And I had just cleaned and washed my truck the Saturday night before. And I had parked it in my comfortable garage and had washed the white uh, lettering the michelin tire lettering on the outside man it looked good i pulled out of my driveway and there was some mud that had gathered in the intersection where some runoff had come and there was probably about an inch worth of mud right there and i said oh man i, said, I hate to drive through this i said i can't get around i said, gonna get my mud on my fresh washed fresh and brand new tires and my wife looked over at me she said well she goes, you could live in Ukraine where the road opens up and, and uh, drops your truck uh, five feet under the ground. And I looked at her and just started laughing. You say, why? Because we're funny, aren't we? Here I am complaining. I've got my health. I've got a good vehicle. I've got new tires on it. And I'm complaining about getting mud on my tires. Well, what did I expect to get on my tires? Gold sprinkles? Gold sprinkles? You see, my friend, you know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about me, and I'm talking about you. We are the most complaining, unthankful people on the face of God's earth. Why do people complain? Listen, it's a great sin, and it's a sin that displeases the Lord and stirs up His anger. Why do people complain? Same reason the children of Israel complained in the Old Testament. They forgot the blessings of God in the past. They failed to thank Him for the blessings of today. And I'll tell you something else. They had a false view of their past. He say, what are you talking about? Well, look in our passage in Numbers 11. There in verse 5, it says, They fell a lustin and they said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? In verse 5, they said, We remember not God's blessings when he delivered them from Egypt, but rather they remembered Egypt. And they said, We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. Do you know the Bible uh, warns us about this kind of reflection? Now, it's one thing to remember the blessings of God. It's another thing to look back longingly at our godless past. Listen, forgetting God's blessings, failing to thank him for today, and a false view of our godless past will cause us to complain. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 10, the Bible warns us. It says, Say not thou, what is the cause that the former days were better than these? For thou dost not inquire wisely concerning this... You know what the children of Israel are doing? They're looking back on their days in the world, if you will, when they were in bondage in Egypt, and they're they're not thinking about that. thing. They're putting rose-colored glasses on and perfuming up their bondage down in Egypt. They were slaves under hard bondage. They were crying out to God for deliverance. And I'm going to tell you something. Whatever food they ate, it wasn't free. They said, we ate it freely down there. Now we're dried away. And all there is are this, this manna to eat. You know what? The, why they were saying that complaining? They had a false view of their past. How sick it is to hear a born again, redeemed Christian talking about the quote, good old days when they were lost. No, those weren't the good old days. Those were the days of bondage and darkness. Those were the days of blindness and ignorance. And sinning against the holy God and wasting our life and his breath that he put in our lungs. Oh, my friend, listen, let's stop this complaining. Hey, you know what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to, amen, rejoice in God today. That Bible says, this is the day that the Lord hath made. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen and amen. You're supposed to rejoice. Why? Because God is good. God is good. And I'm going to tell you in closing a real simple truth. We see, first of all, we see in this lesson from Numbers 11, we see the poor example of the children of Israel complaining. And we saw the reasons that they complain and the same reasons that we complain. But before we close today, let me show you the perfect example of the Lord Jesus Christ. We see the poor example in the nation of Israel. Now let us look at the perfect example of our Savior and Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn with me in your Bible to Isaiah 53 and look at verse 6 with me. Isaiah 53, verse 6. The scripture says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Now, what's this speaking of? Well, it's speaking of The sufferings of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, his betrayal, his false trial and the liars that came out, the false witnesses, the spittle that hit his face, the, the soldiers that smote him in the head and put a crown of thorns and beat it down into his brow, the whip that went across his back and the chastisement he went through and the sufferings he went through as he was made sin for us on the cross. That's what we're reading about. All of these things. His best men betrayed him. His one uh, close disciple came and betrayed him with a kiss. He was lied upon. He went through sufferings and, and all of these things. And the Bible says this. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Watch it. Yet he opened not his mouth. He never complained. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. If ever a man... If ever a man could have complained, if ever a man had a reason to say, why, why is this happening? Jesus Christ was that man. But you know something? He was perfect. He was sinless. He was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. Listen to me today. If you get nothing else from this broadcast today, get this. Jesus Christ, the man, is not like me, and he's not like you. He was the God man. The Word made flesh, dwelt among us, and gave Himself as a lamb without spot and blemish. Not only did He always do right, He always had a right heart. He always had a right attitude. And He always did right even in His sufferings as He suffered and became the propitiation, not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. As He had the iniquity of me and you, our complaining, our murmuring, thats sin. He had all of that laid upon Him. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Amen. The Bible says, This man, after having offered himself one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, while he suffered innocently. He wasn't guilty. There was nothing he had done. And yet in the midst of that, never one time did he complain. As he hung on the cross... He never complained. He never opened his mouth to accuse me or to accuse you. He never once cried out, this isn't fair. And yet he was the innocent victim. And he set up and gave us an example. When he was reviled, uh, amen, when he was threatened, he threatened not, and he reviled not again. Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, endured the cross and despised its shame. And as the substitute lamb, his perfect, sinless, spotless sacrifice was not marred by any complaint while he was made to be sin for us. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. It says in verse 7, yet he opened not his mouth. Now when it says he opened not his mouth, we know that seven times he spoke from the cross. But never one time was it a complaint. You say, why? Because Jesus Christ was perfect. Even when he was made sin for us, he still complained not. In fact, we find him in Luke 23, calling out to his father and saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And can I tell you something? I agree with the songwriter William New when he says, Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified. Knowing not, see that's ignorance. Knowing not, it was for me he died. Remember what he prayed? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And our song that at Calvary says, Knowing not, it was for me he died on Calvary. Let me close the broadcast today by challenging those of you who may be listening. Let me ask you this question. Are you saved? How is your standing before God? If you were to meet God today, would you be justified in his sight? Or do you doubt it? The Bible says it's appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. My friend, how will you get by the judgment? If your plan is to get by the judgment any other way than through Calvary, you've deceived yourself and you're still in your sins and you're condemned. You're condemned already and you'll hear God say, Depart from me, you curse it into everlasting fire. But my friend, the Lord is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen to me. Jesus Christ became sin for you, and he died on the cross, and he paid for your sins with his own blood. He was buried, and he rose from the dead three days later. And today he invites men to him when he says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. That is the promise. He'll give you rest, and he will justify you. May God help you to understand it and to trust Him today. Until next time, quit your complaining and serve the Lord with gladness. May God help you. Till next week, may the Lord bless you as you serve Him.